everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Ashwarya Iyer, founder and CEO of Brightland, a modern pantry brand creating artisanal olive oils, vinegars, and honey from family-run farms. She aims to transform and elevate the everyday experience of home cooking while championing authenticity in the olive oil and honey industry and celebrating good design and California living. In this episode, we chat about Ashwarya's personal journey that inspired the idea of Brightland, from getting stomach aches from the food that she was eating to learning that the majority of U.S. olive oil is rancid and adulterated and desiring a better alternative to what was on the market. She talks with us about the lessons she's learned along the way in building her business, the importance of working through fear and her inner critic, and where she draws inspiration for her beautiful brand. Keep listening to learn more. I'm so excited to share with you our newest product line, Purely Elizabeth Superfood Cereal with Vitamin D. We just launched two insanely delicious varieties exclusive at Whole Foods Market, Vanilla Blueberry Almond and Honey Peanut Butter. Our new cereals are unlike anything in the market. Each box is full of the good stuff. Deliciously crispy oat and ancient grain flakes and crunchy superfood clusters with organic oats, quinoa, and chia. Intentionally crafted with whole food ingredients to deliver both taste and nutrition. Our cereals are made with organic, plant-based vitamin D3 to provide an excellent source of vitamin D in every serving. They're sweetened with sustainably sourced coconut sugar and provide five grams of protein and an excellent source of fiber in every serving to start your day off right. Plus, they're certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Trust me, this is going to be your new favorite breakfast or late night snack that tastes absolutely delicious in milk and actually stays crunchy. The mix of flavors and textures leave you feeling satisfied and full. So head on over to your local Whole Foods Market and stock up on our new superfood cereals. You'll thank me later. Enjoy! Ashwarya, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation. As you know, I'm such a huge fan of your products. I feel like especially right now in the summer, it's like the best time for some amazing olive oil and vinegar. But anyway, I'm excited to dive into your journey and hear all about it. So welcome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. That is music to my ears. And I feel the same way about you. You know that. And um, I've been looking forward to having this this conversation with you. So let's start at the beginning of your journey and what led you to Brightland and really kind of what you were doing career-wise or personally before launching this beautiful business. Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas. I moved to New York City for undergrad, and I come from a family of extremely passionate home cooks where, you know, if we were to call my dad right now and ask him, like, how are you, whatever, if I were to ask him that, he'd say, what did you eat for lunch? What are you eating for dinner? Please go into the details. And so I think food has just been a big part of my DNA and upbringing and language of care and love. My parents are first-generation immigrants to the United States. I was born in India. 
Um, my ancestors were actually salt farmers from South India who harvested salt from the the, the sea. That's so and, cool. Yes. And so I think there have been so many intersections of like who I was, what I come from, what I am today and where I'm headed all lead to food. And so I think it comes to no surprise for like my family members that I'm 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 doing Brightland and and building this company. But I have to tell you, I'm very surprised by it because I really went down a different career path. I spent 10 years in consumer technology, fintech, marketing and communications, and had no idea that I would end up here. And it really started with a cooking journey. I was cooking with my partner. Both of us noticed that, you know, we might be getting these weird stomach aches. We thought maybe it could be the pantry essentials we were using. We weren't sure. Started reading about honey, started reading about vinegar, started reading about olive oil and learned a ton, learned a lot about maybe some miseducation that was happening in each category. And I said, oh, my God, I think there's something here. And that was the the start of it all. So how did you even like what made you even think to look up those certain things or kind of what were those moments for you? We had cut out bread and cheese and even spices, kind of the usual culprits. And yeah. then a nutritionist friend of mine said, maybe you should look at some of the foundational ingredients that you might not be thinking about. And that set us on the journey. Wow. So what were some of the things that you uncovered? Oh, my gosh. I found a 60 Minutes piece about all of like supposed olive oil fraud happening in Italy. I read a lot of pieces coming from the UC Davis Olive Center around, you know, questionable quality in, in the olive oil industry. I watched a documentary called Rotten, which was about honey. And it talked about how honey is the third most fraudulent food in the world wow. after olive oil and milk. Is olive and oil number one? Olive oil, according to that documentary, was number one. Wow. So it all just blew me away. And I said, what is going on here? And I started asking friends, do you like olive oil? Do you like honey? And everyone's like, yum, yes, I love it. And I said, okay, great. What brand do you use? I'm looking to make a switch. And everyone's like, I have no idea. It's in an ugly bottle and I don't even know. I don't know when I got it and I don't know when I need to throw it out. And those were things that I started reading about too, like how much freshness matters in the olive oil industry, how important harvest year and harvest time, just the fact that it's a product that's alive, made from fruits, made from olives. And that's not something that we really even talk about. And so all of those things started swirling together. And originally I actually said, maybe I can do a certification program or that's what I'll do. You know, I didn't even think product. But then I visited these farmers here in California, just out of, you know, one weekend we were visiting like parts of wine country in the central coast. And we visited a few olive farms and these farmers were talking about how most people don't appreciate good quality olive oil. And that was the first time I tried good quality olive oil and I was blown away by it. It tasted like nothing I had ever had before. And the farmers were saying, well, it's too bad. People don't seem to care. And, you know, our businesses, a lot of other olive farmers are actually transitioning to almond or avocado. And I thought, oh, I wonder, you know, why? Like, they, they, this is such a beautiful 
category to be in. And it serves as, like I said, the foundation of all of our food. And so I thought, you know, I'd love to maybe see if I can champion or support these farms. And maybe there's, there's a product that we can create that can resonate. And that was really it. So then there's a lot of people who would like maybe look those things up and maybe do some investigation and leave it at that. What do you think it was or what in your background that then really translated to say like, okay, I'm going to take this information and A, know what to do with it and go from there and B, actually do something about it. I actually think I was the person that kept saying, no, I, why would I keep moving forward? I kept second guessing. Oh, were you happy in your career at the moment? At I was happy in my career at the moment. And, and I didn't think it was my place. Like so much of it comes back to the stories that we tell ourselves yeah. about ourselves, right? And so I had, you know, I didn't have a fancy MBA. I didn't, I just kept talking, thinking about the things I wasn't. I wasn't an influencer or a chef. So I was like, why would anyone ever listen to me? Why, why, should, why should this be my journey to go on or why should this be my story to tell? So I actually, from the point of like, you know, kind of those cooking adventures to when Brightland actually even launched, that was three years. So it wasn't this like domino. I think, you know, when we talk about it in like a podcast, it sounds like, you know, a domino effect of just it being really like certain and then I did this and then I did that. But it certainly wasn't. And I had so many start and stop moments. I think it was different things that kept me going. One was at the time, I didn't even know my ancestors were salt farmers. So I learned about that. That was something that then pushed me forward another step. Then another step was I got introduced to a life coach. I started talking to her about this concept of an inner critic or what does fear really mean? That pushed me forward. This sounds silly, but like, you know, I went and saw the speaker speak and they talked about, you know, I hope that I hope that when you're 75, you don't have regrets. That then was another thing that pushed me forward. I love that. So I'd actually love to hear a little bit about the life coach and the not her regrets and, and getting over that fear. So when you first started working with the life coach, was that really based on just, hey, I want to feel better? Or was it at the back of your mind, you were wanting to do this and this was a way to push you forward? It was a little bit of both. Um, I think this was definitely at the very back of my mind, but I had so much fear around it. I was afraid that people would laugh at me. I really like, even now I, I sometimes feel that way. I feel like people are going to think I'm silly or they're going to laugh. And I told her that and we broke that down into pieces and it took a lot of time and I had to really think about why I felt that way who was it that I was even imagining that would be doing the laughing right <laughs> and at the end of the day so much of it was like the reflection I saw of myself in the mirror and what I thought of myself yeah and I think maybe you know as we're having this conversation maybe I'm maybe it's time for a tune-up <laughs> I think her. it's helpful for everyone. Any good tips that you have that has really helped you to like get out of that mindset when you're catching yourself there or that got you initially kind of over that hump? I was putting a lot of pressure on my like 16-year-old self for not having everything figured out, for being very silly. 
And she asked me to write a letter to myself, almost like a compassionate letter, a letter of love. And I would recommend people do that for whatever time in their life that makes you like cringe. People talk about <laughs> the cringe moments. I think we hold on to that like cringe self. And then it stops us from almost like making big decisions in our lives because we're like afraid of that cringe self. There's, there's something deeper there that I'm not able to pinpoint at this very moment. But I, I have written that letter to my 16-year-old self a number of times since, and it's really liberating. And it actually feels very freeing in terms of the decisions that I choose to make as a 36-year-old now. That's a great tip. And I think to your earlier point, it's like we can all use those refreshers. So doing it more frequently than perhaps like the one exercise that you did it. Exactly. So three years into it and you launch and initially was that launch on D2C or retailer in store? Yeah. It's kind of the thought behind that. Yep. I had worked in consumer technology, never, never tangible tactile products or CPG, but um, I think I understood tech. I knew what Shopify was. And so for me, D2C just seemed like the, the more natural fit. I went to the fancy food show like three months before Brightland launched and was so humbled and overwhelmed. And I'll never forget how I felt. And I thought to myself, this is going to be an amazing part of our story one day, but not yet. And so the kind of the day that we launched, we said, all right, we're open for business. Like come one, come all to our website. And since I had worked in marketing and communications, the one thing I did know was, you know, I understood press and PR a bit. And so I brought on a really amazing food PR company called Becca PR based in New York and LA. And they helped secure a piece in the New York Times. And so the day we launched, we got featured by the New York Times. Oh, my God. Kind of amazing. amazing. Yeah. And that certainly helped kickstart some of that momentum, I think, for the company. But that very same day, we also got our first purchase order from a very cool shop in Brooklyn that was interested in carrying us. And we said yes. And so even though we started, you know, by saying, okay, D2C is the focus, I think like omni-channel and retail and wholesale has always been a part of the business too. It sounds like given your background, I'm sure branding and package design probably felt very tied into, into that. I'd love to hear a little bit about that process for you. You have such gorgeous packaging and I think about, you know, it sits in my, on my kitchen island and is always just like this beautiful moment of cooking and it's like a romanticized cooking experience every time with it just sitting there and using it. So would love to hear the thought that went into that process. I mean, first of all, I want to slice what you just said and just like replay it (laughs) and be as like ads across the country and across the world because that's so, so amazing to hear. And yeah, that was very much like intentional and by design because I mean, the thought process for me was when I started doing a little bit of market research, I would go and stand at all kinds of stores. Like I'd go to the Goop shop, I'd go to Whole Foods, I'd go to Target. I went to like your, you know, specialty grocery shop and I would watch people buy the center store kind of pantry category, whether it was 
olive oil, vinegar, you know, let's, let's stick with olive oil and vinegar for the time being. And I saw how people made their purchases and everyone just looked so not inspired. People were really confused. When you look at the shelf, it's the sea of sameness. Mm -hmm. I said, oh my God, why don't we completely turn this category visually on its head? And that way I don't have to scream because for us taking one step back, Brightlands, one of our core values is to work directly with the farm partners we work with. And that's really important. We don't go through brokers. We don't go through distributors to then find olive farms or vinegar farmers or honey farmers. Like we work directly with the farms and that doesn't happen at an ingredient level. That actually doesn't happen very often with mo most, most of our competitors and most of the category. And so because we're working directly with these farms and we have this one-on-one -on -one relationship with them, we know that within 60 minutes, our oils being pressed, our olives are being pressed and milled. We have a lot of data points around the quality and the integrity around the sourcing. And so I can scream from the rooftops about how amazing that all is, but everyone is saying how great their product is, right? And so I thought about, okay, what's a differentiator? What's like a Trojan horse moment? And I think the packaging for us was a little bit of that Trojan horse moment of like, hey, maybe someone won't realize how great it is on the inside, but because it's so beautiful, they'll grab it. And then when they try it, they'll say, holy, holy moly, this doesn't taste like anything I've ever had before. Okay, this is actually different where it counts too, which is the inside. Yeah, you've done an amazing job with it. So let's dive in more to kind of your mission as well as really going more into like, what is wrong with olive oil, vinegar, honey, and what, how are you guys doing things differently? I think you touched on our mission really beautifully, Elizabeth, around like, we want to create simple, magical, everyday moments in your kitchen. And if we can do that with our products, with our recipes, with our playlists, then we, with our content, like then we've, we've, you know, we've kind of done what we um, came here to do. And around the olive oils, maybe I'll start with the olive oil. Um, yeah, I think, you know, after reading about the historical kind of problems in the industry, I think I was really excited to partner with farm partners who... Or uh, maybe just take a step back for one second to share, like, what are the problems with olive oil? What, what did the 60 Minutes uncover for people who don't know? Yeah, there can be there can be a number of product problems within the olive oil industry. One, there's been a history of adulteration where olive oil has been blended with all, uh, canola oil or palm oil and has been sold as olive oil. That's happened in in countries around the world, and and very recently, olive oil can be sold that's already rancid or rotten. It can be moldy. It could have flies that lay eggs and the larva is like then still blended in and created, you know, olive oil still made and sold. So it has a, it, it could have a lot of issues like that. And, you know, for us, we said, why don't we partner directly with these family run, like these are husband and wives teams, basically, <laughs> really small operations um, why don't we partner with them directly, really understand start to finish how they care for the olives throughout the year. What does the harvest year look like? What does the milling process look like? What does the storage process look like? And that way, then we're close to every part part of it. 
And that's basically what we've done. On the vinegar side, we work with, again, our husband and wife team that double ferments their vinegar with using California Chardonnay and Zinfandel grapes. And the fruit, most of the fruit is picked right on their farm that's then double fermented with the grapes and aged for about 90 days. And we're really, really thrilled with the very fruity, fruit-forward vinegars that, that we were able to partner with them on. And then on the honey front, the documentary Rotten does a really good job of talking about all the issues with honey, but at a really high level, honey also is like very commonly known to be adulterated and cut with molasses and cheaper sugar products. And that's why the prices of honey are so low. Like authentic honey actually costs much more to make. And so we work with fourth gen third and fourth generation beekeeping families, both in Kauai and in California for our honey. It must be so fun to go visit all these farmers. It's the best part of the job. It's so incredible. We actually, as a team, we did an all hands team retreat. And we went and visited our farm partners last week. Oh, that's so cool. That's cool. If you could only create one recipe with your products, what would it be? Like, what's your favorite way to enjoy maybe each one of them? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. I know that's probably hard to answer, but. <laughs> Since you're approaching summer, um, well, I don't know if this is summery, I, I, but I love using our olive oil to make olive oil granola. Ooh. There's, oh, and that's very appropriate conversation. <laughs> that's one recipe that I love. But but coming back to the summer point, I love using our chili infused olive oil and our champagne citrus vinegar together in a panzanella salad, basically a bread salad. All it is, it's cherry tomatoes. Some garlic. I'll usually chop up a bunch of basil and parsley, a little bit of like maybe some calamata olives, and then a bunch of like bread. And you toss that all together and you add the champagne vinegar and the olive oil. And it's, and this, and I would say like the chili infused olive oil. It is magic. That sounds like heaven. It's such heaven. And then on the honey front, my favorite thing recently has been taking. Tahini and adding our kawaii uh, wildflower honey, um, kind of swirling the two together, spreading it on some toast, Ooh. maybe adding some blackberries on top. Super, super delicious. Yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> but then the most indulgent thing to do and like probably one of my favorites is drizzling some of our olive oil on top of ice cream. It's crazy. I feel like that's a really, like, secret unknown combination that is so good. It but is. That salty, sweet. It is a secret combination. And you're totally right. And it's, like, outrageously delicious. <laughs> What's next for you as far as for our, from a product standpoint? Oh, my goodness. If you can share. Yeah, we are, let's see, we just came out with a ramp infused vinegar that sold out really quickly. And earlier in the spring, we came out with a strawberry infused vinegar that also sold out really quickly. Our customers have been clamoring for a rosemary infused olive oil. Oh, that'd be so good. 
Right now we have garlic, chili, basil, and lemon are the four infused oils we have. And rosemary is something we've, we've not delved into. So we are working on that. And then we're always talking about, okay, outside of like oil, vinegar, honey, what do our customers want? What are categories that make sense for us? And so we have a couple things up our sleeve. So more, more to come next year on that front. Stay tuned. Yes. So right now at this phase of business, what would you say has been, we were talking about this before we got recorded as I'm about to ask, like some of the most challenging parts, which I'm sure we can all agree from a, a supply chain is challenging, but curious to hear what's been the most challenging parts of the business at this phase. Yeah, I mean, I think that 2022, people keep saying it's a very tough business environment given inflation, given supply chain woes and issues. I think just like making sure that the team feels like, look, like even amidst, amidst all of these hurdles and challenges, there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. There's still goodness out there. I think that's really challenging because that forces you to come out of your out of your shell. It forces you to not be so tunnel visioned. And that's really tough. That's really tough, honestly. For sure. It's easy to be in doomsday mode. <laughs> Always have to be on the optimistic side. You do. But then optimism paired with realism and also right. being able to like look at the reality of the situation. And like, because I think sometimes I, I, you know, I'm certainly guilty of this where I'll be like, everything's gonna be fine, y'all. Like, no worries. But the fact of the matter is maybe there are some things that need to be addressed. Yeah. and fixed or taken care of. And so it's almost like being able to zoom down to the basement, address and take care of the nitty gritty, and then zoom back up to the sky and be able to be optimistic about what's ahead. For sure, but great advice. Any other advice just for someone starting out in CPG that you <laughs> took away as such a great learning lesson over these years? Oh my God. I mean, I feel like from when, <laughs> even in these three years, so much has changed from when Brightland started. I mean, I would say if, 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 if someone were to start a CPG company right now, oh my goodness. I would say from a creative standpoint, Really try not to spend time on Instagram. Like everything, everything is being done. Everyone is doing something. Try to look at maybe old art books, look at movies, look at documentaries, go visit a new city or a new country and try to get inspiration that way rather than just looking at industry newsletters or how people rank and rate new brands that come out there. There's a reason why everything looks the same. <laughs> yeah. So I think museums are actually an amazing place to get inspiration. And, you know, just to, to touch on that for a second, we came out with a new olive oil a couple of months ago, last month, that was just a limited edition. And the label for that had to look a bit different than our usual labels. And I got the visual inspiration through the New York Times books, book review cover that I saw. That was oh, that's so cool. 
And all that to say, like that was, it was tactile and tangible. I would have never seen that New York Times book review had I just been on my computer on Pinterest or on Instagram looking for inspiration. So in this environment right now with everything being crazy where it is, I'd love to hear kind of how you stay, I don't want to say balanced, but feeling your best and, you know, kind of what tools they use in your day to set you up for success, whether it's a morning routine, a night routine, organization, scheduling, any kind of stuff like that. Standing desk for me is crucial. I stand more than half of the day. And if I don't, I really start feeling like crumply, like an accordion. <laughs> so a standing desk is, is immensely helpful. Uh, some sort of movement. A lot of things that aren't like like they're not hacks. I think they're kind of the, the reality that would apply to a lot of people, like eating pretty well, drinking a ton of water, getting some sort of movement, spending time with my dogs, remembering that life is beyond the, the here and now. Life is the here and now, but it's also beyond the here and now. So kind of balancing that out. Um, listening to music. I'm a classical Indian dancer. So I've really been thinking a lot about how can I incorporate some like new choreography back into my life and feel creative that way. And then tools. I mean, I think the standing desk is really a key tool. And then I am, I use superhuman for email. And I, I just started using superhuman too. I love it. It's so good, right? And I can't, I can't decide if it's like making me more efficient because I think I should be more efficient or if it truly is more efficient, but either which way, it feels like it's working. Yeah, I think the jury is up for that one. I think you're totally right, but I'm so excited that you're using it too. Yeah, like it. it's a great app for organizing and sifting through emails. I, I love that you can like send an email on a, a different time. So if I don't want to be annoying and send an email on a Saturday morning, I can write it and get it off my list, but then send it out on Monday morning. That's one of my favorite parts. I don't know about you. Yep, me too. And to also like spare your team the kind of mental health, right? Uh, sort of the, the anxiety around like why why are we getting an email from our CEO at you know eleven p.m. on a Friday night? Right. No one wants that. Yeah, we're. I do not. I I do not do that. And um, I will happily schedule that for Monday. For sure. Are you guys back? Are you in an office or? We are fully remote. And it's always been that way. It has always been that way. We had an office before COVID. The team was so small though. And, you know, since we've grown, we've just been hiring folks from all around the country. And yeah, we are an officially remote team. Any tips on what works best for a fully remote team? <laughs> God, we're still, we're still getting, I think we're still figuring that out. But um, we do two in-person all hands a year, and that has been working really, really well. And then in between, we do like smaller groups meet up in person. Um, and then, you know, the day-to-day -day of it all, we actually, we, we do Slack huddles. We use Slack huddles a lot. I don't even know what a Slack huddle is. It's awesome. It's this thing within Slack where you can quickly jump on a group call. Oh. You don't have to then send an invite, turn it into a thing, but you also then don't have to try to hash something out 
on Slack via text. Yeah. It's been phenomenal. Oh, that's a great tip. Hey, do you have a second? Let's huddle. That's awesome. All right. So we're going to move on to some (laughs) rapid fire Q&A. Awesome. Favorite book or mentor or podcast for growth? Yes. I love the Reset with Liz Tran podcast. I think it's a phenomenal, she's a a leadership coach and she will talk about the art of radical self-acceptance, creating daily magic, a reminder that you have power, just so many subjects that we all need to be hearing and reminding ourselves about. Yeah, so it, it, there's there's a mix of the like her spiritual practice that's based in mild, mindfulness that also combines with like professional advice. And it's it's really good. I definitely want to look that up. If you could do a brand collaboration with anyone, who would it be? Purely Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Our olive oil granola. Olive oil granola. Yeah, let's make it happen. Um, yeah, I mean that Love would it. be. That would be at the top of my list, honestly. All right. We're putting it out to the universe. Yes. Three things that you're currently loving. I love Never Have I Ever on Netflix. It's an amazing comedy show by Mindy Kaling. It's hilarious. It's heartfelt. And I relate to it a lot. It's uh, about an Indian-American teenager growing up in California. So delightful. Um, so that's one. Two, uh, product-wise, I absolutely love, there's this food company called Pudi Life, and she makes South Indian spice blends and mixes. And I so just love everything she's doing. Um, the, the company, the, the spelling is P-O-D-I Life. Um, and I love her products. And the third thing that I'm loving right now is, oh, I have a new Vitruvi diffuser in my bathroom that I put eucalyptus in every night. Oh. It's so nice. And it's turned my bathroom into a spa. I love it. What do you want more of in your life? Laughter. What do you want less of? Hmm. Bad news. <laughs> a meal that you'll never forget. Oh gosh, we went to Cochineal in Marfa eight years ago. And what did you eat there? There was a tomato that I ate that it burst in my mouth in a way that no tomato ever had or ever has since. And Marfa is a tiny town in the middle of. I mean, it's not in the middle of Texas. It's on the westernmost side of Texas. And I couldn't believe where they got that produce from. I will never know. Favorite Brightland moment? I think we we just had a full team retreat this past week. And I think honestly, being with the team, and I think at one point we all cheersed over, uh, you know, a meal. And I thought to myself, it doesn't get better than this. That's so nice. 
And lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Time away from my phone. Do you have any tips for having time away from your phone? Put it in a different room before you go to bed so that you don't stare at it at night or right before you go to sleep. And then try to like set like an intentional time. Like I'll do like, you know, all day Saturday, I'll put it in airplane mode and put it away in a cabinet and I won't see it from morning to night. And every I'll weekend. Um, not every weekend, but I'll have days where I say, okay, this is going to be a phone away day. And I'll run errands and just kind of do the things I need to do where I'm, I, maybe I don't need Google Maps or like everything that we need our phone, phone for now. And it's so weird, but it's really liberating. Super that's, liberating. That's a great tip. I'm definitely going to try to implement that. <laughs> and lastly, what else is next for you? What haven't we touched on? My goodness. I mean, I think you and I chatted about this before the podcast started, but everyone keeps telling us that 2022 is a very challenging business environment. So I think for us, it's clearing way through the forest and hoping for the rainbow on the other side or, you know, kind of coming out on the other side, feeling even stronger as a company. And I think it's continuing to be as intentional and thoughtful as we've, we have been doing that and coming from coming to the world, coming at the world and coming to the world from a place of abundance as much as we can too in this world where everything just feels more scarce, really trying to trying to approach everything from a place of abundance because it feels like that's the only way to live. Yeah, it's a, great, a great mindset shift for sure. Yes. The only way to live purely. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Where can everybody find you? Yes. Uh, Brightland is at brightland.co. Instagram is at wearebrightland. I'm on Instagram at helloishwarya. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Everybody, go out and try your products. They are truly amazing and pantry staples for me. And thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.